0: You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything. Interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. When he talked to Brent Rickey, he called me from New York. I was in California and he said, I've got this wonderful opportunity. I don't know what it means, but he's invited me to join the organized baseball. We couldn't begin to understand the impact of that.
1: The late Jackie Robinson's widow, Rachel Robinson. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Duel Thompson. a few days ago, Ketanji Brown Jackson made history as the first black woman seated on the U.S. Supreme Court. But 75 years ago today, another African-American made history in a way that may have been just as important. It was on April 15, 1947, that Jackie Robinson took the field as a member of the Brooklyn Dodgers, the first black man to play Major League Baseball. Jackie Robinson hit that ball.
0: It went zooming the left field wall. Yeah, boy. Yes, yes, Jackie hit that and Jackie ball. Robinson
1: was no token. He was voted Rookie of the Year that year. And two years later was National League Most Valuable Player. Now, at his side during his historic baseball career was his wife, his college sweetheart, Rachel. Now, in the decades after Jackie Robinson's death in 1972, Rachel Robinson established herself as a powerful and influential voice and activist in her own right. Now, in 1996, Rachel Robinson published a book about her and her husband and their life together. And that's when I had a chance to meet her just a few months before the 50th anniversary of his Major League debut. So here now, from 1996, Rachel Robinson.
0: Many of the photographs in it were taken from our family album and have never been published. So we've used snapshots and blown them up and... It really gives an intimate picture of our private life. Why was the, a book like this never done before? Was the time just not right? I wasn't ready for it, and only I could have done this particular book because it's about—it's a, a look at the man uh, at home as a husband, as a son, as a father—and I tried to do something in nineteen in the nineteen eighties and it was dry and uninteresting, and I decided that I needed to wait until I was emotionally ready to relive the past. So I'm ready now, and uh, I think I've been able to use the pictures to evoke the feelings that I had at the time. It's hard to imagine that it's been, as of next spring, 50 years. 50 years since Jack's entry into baseball. Yes, we will be celebrating that. It It doesn't seem like it should be that long ago, does it? Well you know, <laughs> what am I going to say?
1: <laughs> and I guess maybe the other thing that comes to mind is it was just 51 years ago that baseball, Major League Baseball, as we know it now, American and National League, was strictly a white man's sport.
0: Yes. Um, that is uh, that is shocking in and of itself that um, right into the 1940s that was the case. Um, so that the 50th anniversary both gives us a chance to celebrate that Achievements of Jack and the changes in the society, but also a chance to evaluate the present because uh, many of the issues that I race in the book are still prevalent in our society today.
1: Uh, when, when you tell kids today about the kind of uproar, the kind of the national hysteria that it caused, that a black
0: man wanted to play major
1: league baseball,
0: we can't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids today find it incredulous. Yes, they do. They um, cannot believe that we that they are. Have lived through a, a, the divisiveness in our in our nation,
1: and I, I'm glad actually that that you've got pictures before baseball, after baseball, as well as baseball, because so much has been written about those few years that he was with the Dodgers, and and that you know that's that's been well documented, yes. well photographed, well written about, and very very nicely written about by some people, but th- those other years,
0: yes, get lost. I needed to round out the picture. Uh, I needed to show the kind of. Uh, person he was before he went into baseball, the college athlete, um, the son who of a, of a wonderful woman, uh, and a family member. Uh, I also needed to sh- show the post-baseball years. Many people think he disappeared from the scene and uh, nothing happened, but he had a very rich and full life following baseball, and I've tried to uh, capture that both in film and photographs and in text.
1: Was it hard to choose which pictures you wanted to put? In oh, the book? It
0: was, that was one of the, that took me many, many months to even select photographs, because I have a very large collection. Both my father and grandfather were people who kept family albums, and so we have a tradition of doing that. So I have thousands of photographs, and I actually cataloged 700 before I picked the, the 300 that are in this book.
1: You even have a picture that many couples today don't have, a picture of your first date.
0: Yes, that's that's just fortuitous that I found that photograph of our first date uh, when Jack was a Bruin on the football team and I was a freshman in college.
1: What memories that must bring back to you when you just look at that one single
0: photograph. Oh, yes, yes. I was so excited about that date and worried about going to a hotel for the first time. And so what I talk about is how I prepared for the evening what happened, what transpired there, and then how I felt after it was over. When the
1: time eventually was right, did you know he was going to propose?
0: Yes, I think I did. We were both attracted to each other when we first met, Um, but I was intent on finishing college. I was the first in my family to go to college, and so my goal was to complete college, and he needed to get out out of the university and out of the Army and find a job. So we couldn't really plan to get married until we'd completed those two tasks.
1: If baseball hadn't been in the picture, if, never, if the board baseball didn't even exist, what would Jackie have done for a living?
0: The one thing we talked about was that he might become a high school coach. Uh, he was a phys ed major at UCLA. And uh, the, the tragedy of discrimination is that the options are few, even for the talented If discrimination is a factor. So he couldn't think about the other professional sports because there were no opportunities there. There were no uh, multi-million dollar basketball contracts with Wheaties
1: boxes in those days. No, not really. Again, that's something that's hard for young people today. It's hard for some older people today to imagine that it was that recently how narrow your options really
0: were. Yes. um, Very talented people ended up doing very menial Jobs just because of discrimination. I think once the nation learned that we were discriminating in the quote national pastime, then um, the awareness was very greatly heightened about uh, discrimination in all employment, not just in sports. The Negro League just didn't cut it. No, the Negro Leagues were um, they were um, the only place for talented black players, and certainly the greats were there. Uh, And the tragedy is that many of them were too old by the time Jack broke in to have this opportunity. But they lived under such demeaning circumstances that Jack was not happy being in the Negro Leagues uh, and was happy to get out of them. uh, Although he enjoyed the camaraderie of the men. The one way the men kind of compensated for the way they had to live was to have this wonderful sense of humor and a wonderful way of relating to each other.
1: Now he comes home, he says, this guy named Branch Rickey talked to me today. What's, what's your first reaction?
0: Well, actually, we weren't married when, when he talked to Branch Ricky. He called me from New York. I was in California, and he said, I've got this wonderful opportunity. I don't know what it means, but he's invited me to join uh, the organized baseball. I think we just did, couldn't, we couldn't begin to understand uh, the impact of that decision or that encounter with Ricky on the first time. But
1: certainly, as the events began to unfold, and and Branch Ricky as you know, has been very upfront in explaining exactly what's going to happen, exactly what's going to be expected of not only Jack but you as well.
0: He was he was um, he was a real pioneer in that he anticipated the events that w- we would be faced with and the incidences, and he did had this famous role-playing session with Jack, where he um, played the role of the antagonist and uh, talked about the kind of abuse, both physical and verbal, that he would have to take. That helped Jack get a sense of what he was entering into.
1: After this short break, the legacy that Jackie Robinson left that went way beyond baseball. Now back to my 1996 conversation with Rachel Robinson. the incredible talent your husband had to be able, it's great pressure just to go up to the plate and try to hit the ball that's being fired at you from 90 miles an hour from the pitcher's mound, but to also be hearing from the stands, not only fans who don't want you to hit the ball, but fans who would rather that
0: you were dead. It is incredible pressure, and I think the way he translated that into something more positive was to answer back with his play. See, the excellence of his play um, neutralized them. The, it, the purpose of, the, of this kind of viciousness is to detract you, distract you from your purpose, from your, the goals you're trying to achieve. And if he could shut them out and contain his own fear of being hurt, then he could perform an, in the way that he did perform. And, and we know that he became the rookie of the year and after that first year and won the Most Valuable Player Award in 1949.
1: I think most people would agree that it was not just the excellence of his play, but it was the excellence of his character as
0: well. Oh, there's no doubt about that, that um, he was a disciplined person. He was a person who was committed to what he began, devoted to what he began. We certainly saw that when he became the, the husband and the father that he was.
1: I think it was Roger Wilkins who says in the foreword that what a different world today would be If Jack had decided to go out and get drunk bars, get into fights, and Mm -hmm. create a ruckus and make headlines, white America would have said, see, just not ready for America.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's the way it would have been, and fortunately we didn't have to live through that.
1: The the term role model is so overused these days. It is overused. It's it's almost a cliché, but... um, uh,
0: Well, I, I think of Jack at one level higher than that for me. I think he is a true hero. He's a true American hero, and I think kids can and are beginning to understand that he can be emulated uh, so that, uh, that there is a lasting significance to the kind of role he played. Also, our lives were not all struggle and pain and upset. Uh, we had fun. We had joy, great joy. We had three children. Uh, we had a beautiful home. Um, We had vacations, all of those things I've tried to put in the book. So the reader will understand that you're not just coping with stress, you are coping with life in general, and that you can enjoy life, have fun, and still be a pioneer.
1: You know how how we like to stereotype things in this yes, country, I and, know. and we take just a little sliver of somebody's life, and we build the whole image around that. And yes, the image has been one of of pain and of of the death threats and mm-hmm. of all of the the difficulties that okay. you had. But yeah, the book shows. I mean, there are
0: lots of smiling people in these pictures. Well, there's, there's great exhilaration when you're on a winning team, and when you have. Um, win a world championship in the course of of that, and then the exhilaration of having a family and uh, having a home where you feel you have a haven to go to, Um, the fun of ice skating on a pond, frozen pond in Connecticut, or having picnics outside uh, our home or going to Puerto Rico or Jamaica for vacations. All of these things I've tried to weave into the story. I do want people to understand that it was a rich life, not just a a life of pain and... um, Opposition,
1: and as you said, as I said a moment ago, a life that did not end on the day he retired from Major League Baseball. No, there's a great many pictures in here of a who's who of people that uh, that your husband influenced and and helped shape and and uh, had a great
0: influence in this country for many many years. He was he was I think a catalyst for the civil rights movement, and in that uh, in that role and in his commitment to social change. He worked with Dr. Martin Luther King, with Roy Wilkins, Jesse Jackson, Thurgood Marshall, um, and was instrumental in assisting them in what they were attempting to do. So much of what we see today, your husband helped shape, not
1: just on the ball diamond, but uh, in in boardrooms, before television cameras,
0: Mm -hmm. at the White House. I am proud. I, I was proud of him when I first met him, and my pride in him has grown as I've looked back to see myself reflect on on his life and the meaning of it what would he
1: like best about baseball today do you think
0: well, he'd be pleased that there's been some integration at the managerial level. I think he'd still be frustrated that uh, that is not on any kind of equal opportunity basis, but um, he would be proud of the managers that he does see. He'd be proud that one of the Jackie Robinson scholars is now the assistant general manager of the Boston Red Sox, a woman uh, who came out of our, our program. And he'd be proud of um, some of the changes he would still want to see progress accelerated. What would trouble him? Uh, both the lack of progress and the retrenchment. We make, we make forward progress and then we undo, we attempt to undo the progress we've made. I feel that that is the dynamic around affirmative action, for instance. Uh, I feel that that was a step forward and that it may have had flaws. There may be flaws in the program but it doesn't need to be abolished. It needs to be fine-tuned and instead of fine-tuning it, the uh, naysayers are happy to jump in there and destroy it. I simply want to say that Jack's legacy lives on in the Jackie Robinson Foundation, that we are supporting the uh, education and leadership development of minority youngsters. We have 150 students in school this year on $20,000 scholarships. They have summer jobs and internships. And most exciting of all, we have a 92% graduation rate. Uh, so we, that's the highest in the country. So Jack and, and lives on in terms of our, our supporting excellence, our supporting education, our supporting young people who really want to make a difference the way he did.
1: Rachel Robinson will be 100 years old this summer. She lives in Connecticut. And you can find an easy Amazon link to Rachel Robinson's book at our website, heardeverything.com. And while you're at heardeverything.com, be sure to listen to my 1991 interview with another baseball icon who followed in Jackie Robinson's footsteps, Hammer and Hank Aaron.
0: I started my baseball career in 1953 in the Negro American League. I made $200 a month. I got $2 a day for meal money.
1: And my 1987 conversation with one of Jackie Robinson's baseball contemporaries. Joe Garagiola. There are two yogi bears. There's the yogi bear that people have written about and built up, that is a myth. And then there's the yogi that I know, the sensitive yogi, the guy that if the world was full of yogi bears, we would have no problems. And of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, you're going to think we're making this up. But we're going to tell you all about some strange animals found in the Amazon. I don't mean the big store. I mean the river basin in Brazil, the Amazon River Basin. Pink dolphins. A 2000 conversation with naturalist Cy Montgomery.
0: Once you see these animals, they really are shapeshifters. They do stand up virtually out of the water, and they're very sensuous animals. The stories about them taking human lovers is not hard to believe.
1: That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.